News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Tishak Michal Martin, you're very welcome to News Talk Breakfast. Good morning to you. Uh, we've obviously lots to get through this morning at the Fianna Fáil thinking here in the Mullingar Park Hotel. We might start with the energy crisis. We're hearing that there's going to be one-off payments, maybe three €200 Euro payments has, has been floated. If we're also hearing that energy bills are going to hit six grand per year, perhaps next year, it's not much of a dent, is it? It's a very unprecedented crisis in terms of the price levels. Uh, we've never witnessed anything like this before. Uh, in terms of the, the, the level of price rises in electricity. Um, so we're going to have to do um, a significant intervention for households in particular. We will not be able to cover uh, the full scale of the increase, but um, there's two elements to this. There's the budget itself and then there's the cost of living package. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want, I, I think the key time frame for us is the entire winter period now till Christmas and then beyond into early spring. Um, and so therefore the cost of living package, elements of that would be once off. And elements these of are these, these credits? Well, not just credits, so there'll be other measures as well. I mean, the whole, if you look at, first of all, pay, tax in the budget, um, they're two key instruments by which we can help people. We already have concluded a public service pay deal. Um, and then there'll be other measures in reducing costs. So, for example, we reduced the cost of school transport coming into September. Uh, we increased the, school, uh, the back-to-school allowance and so on like that. Um, and so we will be looking at measures across social protection, across uh, uh, support for children, families, um, in addition to energy credit. credit. Okay. So it's the full package you've got to look at. Leo Bradker is being reported this morning <coughs> saying that, that that free school transport was a mistake because it is now oversubscribed and chaotic. I would not agree with that. Uh, I actually think it's um, it certainly was something we did on a cost of living premise. And yes, it is oversubscribed, but thousands of more people are now availing of public transport, which in terms of a more medium term climate change agenda is a good thing. So, you know, what we were doing was trying to use the cost of living to do two things reduce costs for people, but also start bedding in new ways of behaviour, that if we can get more people going to school through public pa- transport, that's a good idea. Okay. Now, we do have to I accept, I take the point that we have, to do, we have to provide additional transport and public transport to enable people to avail of those And services. obviously that, that will help with climate and energy and all of yeah. that too. But sticking with energy, this, this debate about whether or not there should be a cap versus the credits, a, a cap would give greater certainty to people about where their bills are going to be at. In the short term, potentially, but the full implications of that in terms of both the cost, how it would work, uh, have not been worked out either in, in any jurisdiction. Uh, we're not ruling anything out in the fullness of time, but in the short term, we do have tried and trusted ways of helping to alleviate the pressures on people. Um, and that would be through the various payment mechanisms that we've already deployed in earlier cost of living packages, such as energy credit payment or uh, fuel allowance, or indeed, as I say, a combined measure of tax reductions pay increases, um, and along with reducing costs. So, for example, in health, we have significantly reduced costs under the DPS. The threshold is down to €80 now, um, and and that's very significantly reduced from what it was uh, two years ago. Uh, And likewise, in terms of costs of going back to school, we'll have to give more supports to schools, for example, in terms of capitation grants uh, to meet their energy costs. So we have to be creative And what we tried to do last year when we reduced public transport costs more generally was again try and combine reducing costs of living with policy that is good for the future. 
with regard to what we're doing about energy, uh, we're not going to cap it. There will be interventions. People before profit have said that they won't rule out telling people to exercise civil disobedience and stop paying their energy bills. What will happen if they do? I think that would be chaotic, uh, would be bad advice, um, because we need to keep uh, a sustainable approach. I mean, the, the danger with all of that, of course, in the fullness of time, those political activists and people before profit fundamentally want to create havoc. Uh, they're activists in, who don't believe in the current system at all and want to overturn it. I mean, as their declared political agenda. So they use events like this, they exploit events like this to try and create that chaos. What would happen is people would be left with huge bills. What, um, would they be cut off, though? Supposing people did follow that advice and supposing en masse... 10%, 20% people, of the population stop paying. Very Do they good, get cut off? People who are genuinely in trouble will not be cut off. In a, and there's good codes of practice there. Uh, and, and but people the, exploiting and the, the regulator, system, would they be cut off? Sorry, again, look, we, we don't have any great evidence of that happening. And I think the better way to de- deal with it is through government interventions to help people, uh, through sensible behaviour from, from the companies themselves, but also through um, uh, taxing any excess revenue that companies are making, uh, energy companies are making from this crisis. And that means either at European level an intervention in the market um, that would tax, essentially tax um, windfall profits based on this crisis and then bring that money back to, to give back so, to so consumers. So taxing renewables. But, but just with regard to the market, there is some uh, criticism that we are the, I suppose, orchestrators of our own situation here in that we stopped gas exploration maybe ahead of where we did. We have no gas storage facilities. Is part of the problem here with our energy crisis that we didn't plan for energy security? Well, the fundamental problem here with energy is the war in Ukraine. That is the driver of the price crisis that we're currently going through. Um, And we can't lose sight of that. And this is part of the war that Putin has has started. Uh, And he's weaponized energy, he's weaponized migration, he's weaponized food. So we we, we have to stand resilient against Putin's strategy. Now, on the wider issue of energy security, um, we do have to have gas as a transitional um, fuel, in my view, uh, in this country. Uh, we will have to drive on renewables. It's the only way forward. So do you favour us having a storage facility here then for liquid yes, natural yeah. gas? Yes, and, I, and um, the, the Gas Networks Ireland has made uh, I, I've put forward ideas to the Minister for Energy in that respect uh, in terms of a storage facility here. But that, that, that is something uh, that will be the subject of further deliberation. But that won't solve the immediate issue. But no. nonetheless... So we can see that happening. In terms of future energy security, there is an issue there. Dan and, and Shannon, view, we, we may see that happen then. Well, I, or somewhere. Uh, somewhere, yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. And um, there will be specific locations coming forward in that, in that respect. Despite what we're hearing about the cost of living package, that it's somewhere possibly north of two billion, there obviously isn't enough money for everybody and we're hearing finance is not happy with all the demands. You've said you want to prioritise families and, and families with children and all the difficulties that they face. Are we going to see something like free school fees, free college fees rather, or, or, or free childcare? And if you could only do one of those two things, which would you do? Well, obviously, we will have to vote in terms of the cost of living package, but also in terms of the budget, again, work on childcare and advance affordability in childcare. Last year, we put significant money aside for childcare to deal with wages and, and conditions for workers in childcare. And only most recently, employment regulation orders were agreed between employers and employees in the childcare mm-hmm. sector, which was a big breakthrough. The next chapter has to be increased resources to improve the affordability of, of childcare for parents. And that's something we'll be focusing on in the budget within the constraints of the budget. So there the will budget. be something for childcare. What about, yeah, no, about, the, about college fees? In terms of, of uh, that, that 
falls into the domain that I mentioned earlier in terms of the cost of living package of reducing costs. Um, and certainly the eligibility threshold for third level grants, for example, uh, could be raised. And we took measures on that front last year as well. And we'll also look at the fees issue as a means of reducing costs for families. Tishak, will there be anything for the squeezed middle who feel that their taxes, I mean, they keep hearing that everything has to be targeted, but a lot of them feel that their taxes are being targeted away from, from benefiting themselves? Well, that's why I mentioned earlier the energy credits, the... the, 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 the um, so they'll be universal, and the and the yes, and the ta- and the tax reductions will benefit uh, people in the squeeze middle, as will other cost reductions uh, that we've that we've already implemented, and will uh, be focusing uh, more on in terms of healthcare costs or in terms of education costs. Do you yourself favour widening the tax base? Um, I, I believe in keeping it broad. Uh, we have widened it somewhat in, in recent years. A lot of people years. think it's quite narrow. So yeah, keeping well, it broad. What's interesting is the the the, the higher income cohort are paying uh, the vast majority of tax in the country up to 80 percent at the top 20 percent um so uh, but we have we have no property tax for the last decade or so nearly uh, so we, and we have that and we have other forms of taxation the commission of taxation and welfare will come in we look at that report in its entirety in terms of its proposals around broadening the tax uh, we also have the USC, so it's, it has broadened out considerably. Okay, from and, where I, it would have been 20 and I heard years you ago. say you, you were against raising inheritance tax, which I know was, was kind of a story of the day yesterday. But, but today we're hearing that, that it's been recommended that you would treble things like PRSI for self employed and for farmers. Is that something that you would be interested in doing? Well, again, that's, that's I mean, I've, I have to read the report in its entirety. The report is not one that's lending itself to immediate uh, implementation, nor do the authors expect it to be immediately implemented. Rather, it's looking at a more longer term frame in terms of how society evolves, demographics change, we become older and so on like that, how do we fund pensions, how do we fund better health services and so on. But again, we have to balance all of that against the fact that we are an enterprise economy um, that really does thrive on facilitating self-employed SMEs. Uh, that are the engine of, 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 of our economy and the engine of thousands of jobs that are created here. So we need to always balance that in terms of what has worked for us. We, we're at, we are at full employment now. We have the fastest growing economy in Europe as a bounce back from COVID-19. We're heading into a huge storm with the energy we crisis. Are. No question about that. But we should never take for granted what has been one of the key factors uh, in Ireland's you know, historically success story in terms of the 1950s onwards, it's been a pro-enterprise strategy. And not all parties in denial are pro-enterprise. Do people currently, with the storm we're facing into, just need to get used to being poorer? Not necessarily. No, I think we can... I mean, we've come through COVID-19. I can recall uh, during COVID-19, when we did our economic recovery plan, we thought we wouldn't get to 2.5 million people working until 2024. We, we got that earlier this year. We reached that target to almost two years ahead of, 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 of the date that we had set. The point being is you can never be certain in terms of how things evolve or how rapidly they will evolve. But I think we should always strive to attract high-quality jobs into Ireland and to give people good-quality lives. But when crises like this arrive, when the first war on the continent of Europe since World War II happens, when the biggest humanitarian disaster on the continent of Europe has happened with the displacement of millions and millions of people, it has impact on our lives. It does, but but with inflation being 9.1, with interest rates rising, a a second rise just, just this week... Do people need to just get used for a period of time? With for a period a of time, it's going, to be, it's going to be much tougher um, than we've experienced. Of that, there is no doubt. But we have the, 
I think we have both the capacity to respond to it uh, in a way to protect people and to protect their quality of life as best we can. There will be impacts, of course. Uh, There's no doubt about that because of the level of price increases and the inflationary cycle. Um, We have to come through that. There will always be highs and lows in any economic situation. Tánis Dilea said that he would favour Pascal Dunne, who remaining in the role of Minister for Finance because of his presidency of the Eurogroup. Michael McGrath is due to become Minister for Finance when, when the Taoiseach and the Taunish roles are reversed. What would you like to see happen? Well, again, I think we've been very clear on that. And um, Leon and, and myself, when we first talked about f- uh, forming this government uh, w- with Eamon Ryan, the, the issue of parity of esteem was one that, that he and Fine Gael would have put to us quite rightly. Uh, and in my view, parity of esteem is essential. And that means in terms of positions that the positions that each party will you know, have is, in government must reflect that. But and with that respect, is that not putting the interests of a Fianna Fáil TD ahead of the interests of the country? No, I think that's a very unfair presentation. And I've watched all the articles and the careful sort of choreography that's been going on for quite some time. The bottom line is fundamentals don't change in relation to cohesion and in, in relation to the, so you don't agree the, the fundamental Pascal, underpinning. Pascal Dunne, who has the, great time for Pascal the Dunne. most think, important role of any Irish man in the world. I think he has been an, uh, an excellent Minister for Finance. I think Michael McGrath has been an excellent Minister for Public Expenditure. I think we have to focus on the budget now and the cost of living package. The three party leaders will discuss uh, the end of the year uh, later this autumn. Uh, But our focus now has to be on issues that impact on people. And people are not overly exercised about the individuals in politics, but what they are exercised about is how we plan to respond to the cost of living and the pressures that are on their households at the moment. Speaking of politics, is Fianna Fáil open to a coalition with Sinn Féin? Uh, again, we, we, we don't agree with many of Sinn Féin's policies. Uh, they're anti-European Union. Um, they uh, have a very negative approach to enterprise. So, for example, they pro, uh, uh, oppose free trade. Would you do, bi- would you do business with them? Though? So I would prefer we will work with like-minded parties uh, in terms of any future. That's two years away. We're concentrating now and, get, and, and dealing with the issues before us. But there are fundamental differences yeah. from and, economic and, and, philosophy and, and, and we and understand global. that there is, but so you're, not, are you not ruling it out? I, uh, in my view, in advance, this early on, I'm ruling nothing, you know, I'm right. sort of getting into that sort of situation of saying uh, who's going to government. Okay, so, we so would seek, no, this is important, like, because very often politics gets too reduced to uh, who's in and who's out and who's going in with who. The bottom line is we have to follow a policy platform. And I believe the policy platform that we have, first of all, is take on the serious issues, not trying to exploit them, which Sinn Féin okay. does. So we're serious about action on housing, and we are turning the dial on No, housing, and, and I accept there's time. a difference between you, so, but I'm just, you're not, we'll, we'll, move, I mean, we'll I, move on. We will go into, our view is we'll go into government with like-minded parties, with policies right. that are as and close speak, to us as possible. Speaking of like-minded parties, what is the difference between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael? Well, I think there's, we're two centre parties. Uh, I think Fianna Fáil um, would um, traditionally have invested more in public services. Uh, and would be more to the left of centre um, in, in terms of our approach. Uh, and, um, and, and there are other differences as well. But the fundamental point is that I've never been one that supports the idea of left versus right or extreme left and extreme right, that that's somehow a natural order of things. I think the centre ground politics has stood as So you have a lot in well common, then, you're saying? We have a lot in common with Fine Gael uh, and indeed other parties as well in terms of the environment and climate and that. We're, we're strongly pro-actions pro to deal with climate change, for example. Um, There's an interesting uh, article in, in the Sunday papers um, saying that the rebels within Fianna Fáil, that if they don't get a move on soon, that, that it'll be the run-up to the general election and you will be in, in position still as leader. Um, are the rebels within Fianna Fáil losing momentum? Uh, 
those well, who, for, who would detract from you? Well, I don't know who those are in terms of, but I think, look, uh, from my own perspective, I deal with every member of the parliamentary party, engage with every member of the party, parliamentary party, and will continue to do so. And I've been travelling the length and breadth of the country. Uh, close to 80% of the Fianna Fáil membership voted for the party to go into government. Uh, they want us to be in government to take on the big issues facing us housing and health and childcare and education um, and, and, and the whole area of climate and farming and how you have sustainable food productions, which we dealt with yesterday. Uh, and that's my motivation. And I travel the country with TDs, go into their constituencies, meet with people on the ground. And the, resp- the response is a positive, sincere response from people uh, who have genuine issues uh, in terms of the, that. And that's what I focus on. After the next election, will you still be Fianna Fáil leader? Yes. OK, good stuff. Um, Taoiseach, you have spoken and I don't want to, to, to pry, but you've spoken very movingly about your own family and about the loss of your children. I've seen, as many people have, the trolling that you received afterwards, which I think most right-minded people think is appalling. Um, how do you deal with that on a personal level? Well, uh, to be honest, I didn't see the trolling. I didn't look for the trolling. Don't, don't look. And, um, yeah. Is that how you deal with it? You just don't look? I don't look, yeah. And, um, and look, it's... It, all of those interviews, but there was a context to that interview, which was in June, actually, I think around June, we did that for Meaning for Life. And um, so um, you have to be conscious of the impact it can have on family as well. So um, I'm sure it helped a lot of families too, yeah. I, I, I would say. Um, you were due to become Tawnishta. Is there a brief you have in mind for uh, when that happens? Well, yeah. Um, yes, there will be, but I'll, I'll discuss that, as I said, later in the autumn with, with, with the other party leaders. Yeah. And maybe lastly, Taoiseach, if you weren't Taoiseach, what would you be doing? That's a good question. Um, I'd be reading a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, and I must say, we had a very good presentation from Brian Cody last evening, and so sport is never far away from me uh, in terms of one of my passions in life. And uh, he gave a first-class presentation to I the parliamentary heard. party last evening, which Look, I think finished today on a very high note. Maybe when you retire, and, and may that be a long time to come. Listen, thank you very much for speaking to us this morning. That is on Taoiseach Micheál Martin. Thank that- you. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.